Hello, welcome, and thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to episode one of the Pat's Interference Podcast. On the docket today, we talk Alabama position battles, week one against Wisconsin, and make some bold predictions. Let's get right to it. This is episode one of Pat's Interference. Hello, and welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the first episode of Pat's Interference. I am Patrick Norwood. And I'm Patrick Brickman. What is good, everyone? We are so excited to be bringing you Pat's Interference, a show that we have talked about doing for a long time. We're so excited to be talking all about Alabama football. It is September 1st already. Can you believe that, Patrick? September 1st. There's a skip in my step. I cannot believe it. I've been waiting for this Saturday for what seems like 10 years or so. We're going to get into a lot today. We're going to be talking a lot about uh, position battles, uh, some outlooks for the season, some predictions. First game against Wisconsin, of course. But let's go ahead and talk a little bit about ourselves. Uh, My name is Patrick Norwood. I am a December 2014 graduate of the University of Alabama, majoring in sports production. Patrick, tell us a little bit about yourself. Patrick Brickman also went to Alabama, graduated May of 2014 uh, with a major in telecommunications and film. You find me coming to you from Panama City, Florida, where I uh, am currently working at one of the news stations here on the morning show and with aspirations in sports. So uh, that's me in a nutshell. I mean, that's that's what I do. And I yeah. know that we when we met, it was love at first sight. Both loved was, Alabama football, yeah. both named Patrick. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much the, uh, the recipe for... Uh, disaster when you're in college. Uh, but let's go ahead. Let's dive right into it, man. Let's go to the first topic. Uh, everybody's been talking about this the entire offseason. Uh, everyone thinks they know, and we're going to act like we know too. Quarterback battle. Let's go ahead and get into the guy that everybody at the end of last season was sort of saying was going to get the nod. Go ahead and tell me uh, your opinions on Coker's chances of being the guy for Alabama this season. Well, I've maintained across the entire time, the whole spectrum, that I've been saying that I think Jake Coker is going to be the guy. Uh, You keep seeing other guys creep up and get close and maybe even appear to surpass him at times. But then they go back down, and it's, it's... I feel like he's always been the guy at the top. And if nobody else has come out and taken it, then I think he's going to be the guy. I think he's going to take the first snap. And I think we're going to play well enough for him to do it. I have faith in him. The physical talents are clearly there. I mean, you see the athleticism he has. He's got a rocket arm. The two things that concern me, because last year it was that he didn't know the system, but that's not an excuse anymore. He's been in Lane Kiffin's system as long as all the other players were there. I mean, he came at about the same time. And so the thing that concerns me with him are, one, his mechanics. A lot of people don't like his release. He brings the ball back shades of Tebow with how far he brings that ball back. I mean, he brings it back to about the halfway down his neck. And then the inaccuracy. You hear about it all through camp. He's the one that takes risks. He's got the gunslinger mentality, which I don't hate, by the way. I think Jameis Winston was very good with that. And Brett Favre is the guy. When you think gunslinger, you think Brett Favre. So you can be successful with that mentality. But the accuracy when you're a gunslinger, that will that that will kill you. If you can't be accurate and be a gunslinger, then you are not going to make it, especially in the SEC. Absolutely. And, I mean, yeah, accuracies. you know, you look at his stat line, 64.4% completion percentage last year, 403 yards, uh, you know, four touchdowns, no picks. But I, 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 I just – I'm not convinced. I'm, I'm just not convinced because – And I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Here's my thing with it, and I'm going to bring up another guy that a lot of people have been saying, especially after the second scrimmage, Alec Morris. Uh, Alec Morris is a guy that, you know, when I, I think of a quarterback like in a system of Alabama, 
I think of a leader. And a leader to me is someone who goes out and takes it and says, you know what, this is mine. I want this. You guys get on my back. Let's go. Let's go do this. To me, Coker has not won the job. I'm sorry, but he hasn't gone out and said, you know what, this is mine. It's my time. Here we go. I'm taking the reins. And I think Saban's called him out for it numerous times. No one's taking the reins. No one's taking the bull by the horns. And I just, I've never, I haven't seen anything from him like that, like I have from Alec Morris. I'm not saying Alec Morris has outright done it either. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I think he's done it more so than Coker. And therefore, if it's up to me, I want the guy in my offense who went out there and said, you know what? Yeah, this is mine. I want it. Here we go. Uh, well, he, he is the redshirt junior, and he is not a transfer. So this is his fourth year in the system. And what a lot of people uh, think about him, because I haven't been to the practices, I haven't been watching him. But what, and I, the way I feel, I want to compare him to Greg McElroy. Uh, he came in, he didn't wow you with his physical talents, but he's got a solid head on his shoulders. He'd been in the team long enough to know the system in and out, knows the playbooks, and he's not going to go out and lose a game for you, which with our defense does does not bother me at all. I would right. not mind a guy coming in and not throwing very many interceptions. It's just making the plays that are needed here and there. I have no problem with that. Yeah, no, I, I don't have a problem with it either. Uh, I'm, I, I don't know. It's just it's it's tough for me because you know I, like I said, I want the guy who went out and won it. You know, I I don't want the guy who just sort of fell into it and just okay. Well, he was the guy at the end of the season last season, so uh, you know. That's it. But it's funny that you bring up uh, the Greg McElroy discussion uh, at 9.25 this morning. Uh, Again, it is, or excuse me, yesterday morning, uh, August 31st article, uh, John Talty or Talty uh, from AL.com compares Alec Morris and Greg McElroy, uh, both. uh, I read that. There you go. Yeah. Uh, High school quarterbacks in Texas, uh, which is a huge deal there, obviously, Um, you know, and McElroy said, and I quote, uh, again, this is an AL.com article from John Talty. He says, Alec Morris does a great job. He comes from a high school in Texas that has won state championships, and he's played at the highest level. He goes on to say, as far as stature, he's the bigger guy. Uh, He's got a bigger arm than I did, um, and until we get a sample size, we won't really know what Alec Morris is. And I agree with that. I I don't think I I do not hate that. I mean, we don't we don't know what Alec Morris is, but I also think we don't really have an idea of what Coker is. You know, I mean, he played. Yeah, he played in seven games. Like I said, completion percentage was not stellar. It wasn't bad. It wasn't stellar. Um, You know, uh, throughout the fall, I think it's going to really come down to the guy who goes out and wins the job. Uh, it's going to be one on the field. We're past yeah. practice. We're sitting here on a Tuesday with the game on Saturday. I think the coaches already have it in their head. It's going to be one on the field, and I think we could see three guys play a quarterback, and we've only mentioned two. The third one, and the one that I'm actually probably the most high on, even though I think Coker ends up with it, is this Cooper Bateman cat. I mean, he. Uh, we all remember when he was recruited, and Absolutely. it's funny because – he was the future a little while ago when he came in. Everybody's talking about how Cooper was going to be the future. Now Blake Barnett, everybody's saying. And I think Cooper Bateman is saying, hey, I'm still young. And he is he's the most athletic out of the three. Uh, he's been on fire. He actually threw the most passes in their last scrimmage. I know Alec Morris made a lot of big plays. But a lot of people, and it's not, I'd say it's about a, maybe a 60-40 thing that I've seen, thought uh, Morris had the best day. But a lot of people think Bateman actually played better, although he played with the twos that day. 
threw 27 passes in the spring game, uh, not the spring game, the the last scrimmage, the last fall scrimmage, excuse me, played a lot of time at wide receiver in the spring, had some practices over there. He's uh, been clocked at around 4-5, which is pretty great when you have a quarterback. And when you see what Blake Sims was able to do last year with that extra running effect, that extra athleticism, being able to get it just even out of the pocket. I'm not asking Cooper Bateman to go down and run 50-yard touchdowns, but just be able to extend plays with all wide receivers. I don't know. I just think with what Lane Kiffin wants to do, I would love to see Cooper Bateman come out and just open our eyes and show us, wow, all right, we got another guy on our hands that can do this. And here's something that I like about Cooper Bateman, too. Uh, you know, he came out, like you said, he came out of high school, Texas high school quarterback, you know, Utah. He ranked Utah. really, really high. You there. Utah, Utah. I'm sorry. You're right. It's Utah. Um, but he came out of high school. Very, very respected, highly touted, went and played the Nike 7-on-7s, seven -sevens, played great there, had a couple bombs in that game. The thing about Bateman is he could have played anywhere, yep. and anywhere early. I mean, like, anywhere, you know, but he decided to come to Alabama. He knew it was going to be a long road, and that's something that I can respect. Uh, so let's sort of wrap this up and get into it. At the end of the season... Who is Alabama's starting quarterback? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep with my prediction. I know it's the safe prediction, but I think that Coker takes the first snap. And you've kind of seen this, uh, and I don't know if this is what Nick Saban does or anything, but you've kind of seen this when McCarron and Blake Sims won the job. Blake Sims was not announced the starter last year. I know that's a common misconception, but it was going to be a two quarterback game. Just that West Virginia game was close enough to not really merit the switch yet, with the offense kind of rolling early on but uh, the defense giving up some scores. So I think with Coker rolling out, it just, it's almost like the guy that it just we play well enough, he rolls out there, and Coach just wants to see him be able to move the offense. I think at the end of the day, you'll see all three play in the game, but I think Coker is the one that ends up the season, uh, hopefully with Alabama playing as far as they possibly can. I'd love to you know uh, see us back in the playoff, but who knows? Who knows? I think at the end of who the knows? year, he's our guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'll agree with you and then differ. Uh, I think Coker takes the first snap. Uh, I think Morris takes more snaps as the season goes along. Morris maybe has a big game, uh, you know, uh, going into that MTSU matchup. Maybe he comes out and throws for a lot of yards uh, or just makes less mistakes than Coker does or makes smarter decisions than Coker does, throwing the ball out of bounds, getting rid of the ball earlier. That was something that people got onto Coker for oh, yeah. all year last year is not releasing the ball. Now, if he throws you know, a touchdown I – mean, oh, not a touchdown, sorry. If he throws an interception on his first possession, I'm going to agree with you that it's going to be Morris. But that is only you – know, I think if he comes out and – and they, they're going to play conservative, in my opinion. I think if he comes out and leaves a, leads a couple pretty good drives, I think you'll see that momentum carry on. Those first three drives that you might see Coker take are going to define the rest of his career at Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I, I think that's a lot of pressure for him, too. Is it uh, too much, I think though? He knows I hope Coker's, not. Coker's a smart guy. I mean, you know, he, he knows what's at stake. He knows what's going on. And another thing that I kind of want to get into before we move on uh, – I think that people are starting to re like sort of get in their mind that once you pick a guy, it's that guy the rest of the season, and you never think about substituting another quarterback. That's not the case. Nope. Uh, you look at 2011 LSU, they switched Jordan Jefferson and Jarrett Lee so much, I think both of them got whiplash. Uh, you look at, heck, last year's Alabama team. You look at the Auburn game last year, Blake Sims throws three interceptions. Coker's warming up on the sideline, getting ready to go in, you know, and uh, we know how that ended. And Blake Sims had a great rebound. 
Coker also had his helmet on during the LSU game after uh, Blake Sims got a little bit dinged up. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I just think that people sort of get in their heads that once you say it's this guy, it can only be that guy. But I think, you know, I think it's dangerous, too. You don't want to be midway through the season no. and have to worry you about it. You know what they say, when, when, when you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, no. So, you know, Alabama math, two <laughs> equals zero. Uh, so let's move on. Let's go into the defensive backs real quick. Um, you know, this is something that I know you're really excited about. Talk to me a little bit about what you've uh, seen and heard and what you're looking forward to as far as uh, some maybe surprising news coming out of the defensive backfield. Go ahead. My favorite position battle of this spring has been the corners because they are the position that probably failed us the most last year, almost cost us the Iron Bowl, and then uh, again against Ohio State, gave up uh, several late scores, second-half scores, missed a couple tackles here and there. So yesterday, the big news uh, all over social media, all over uh, everywhere that talks Alabama was the fact that Nick Saban came out with his depth chart. And, you know, he had the five quarterbacks, and it said basically he had a lot of positions, and the quarterback was the big one where he put, you know, he put uh, Jake Coker or Cooper Bateman or Alec Morris, and he did that for a lot of positions that haven't been settled yet. But corner was the second place I scrolled, and you didn't see that or in the number two or the star position. And this is huge to me because what you saw was that number two position, Marlon Humphrey, there. No or, no if, no nothing. Marlon Humphrey, and then you look over to the nickel corner, the star position, and you got the true freshman, Minka Fitzpatrick, who has been on everybody's radar since he got here. And what's interesting about those two guys being in there without their oar is that you got this guy named Tony Brown, who was probably the highest rated out of the three. Runs track, but has been battling with injuries. He could find himself on the outside looking in for the rest of his career because these two guys are younger. They're both freshmen. Tony Brown has records in track and field. That's what people forget. Like, this guy is a seriously fast guy, but we use this word all the time when we're talking about Tony, or not all the time, but the past couple months, we've been talking about Tony Brown. People are saying he's not bad. You know, it's not that he's poor or that he's lacked or that, you know, he's gotten any worse. It's just the fact that the other guys have really gotten better, whereas Tony's sort of plateaued. Now, is that something that concerns you or encourages you as far as defensive backs are concerned? Uh, okay, I want to be a Debbie Downer, but I'm not going to. I mean, I'm, I'm four days away from the season, and I'm not that guy. It makes me very happy to see two freshmen that have not seen the field yet in their Alabama career come out there, and from what I read, it Fitzpatrick especially, I'm reading that Humphrey's this playmaker. I mean, I remember in the last scrimmage, I believe he returned a, uh, recovered a fumble, returned a, maybe an interception for a touchdown off a tipped ball. That's a playmaker right there. I know it was tipped to him, but the playmakers are the guys that are there, and Fitzpatrick is playing with this swagger uh, from everything that I'm seeing. He's playing with this swagger that I think our defense needs. Remember Dre Kirkpatrick, the swagger yep. and the attitude he brought to that defensive backfield? I would love to see another dude with the name Patrick and his name do that. Oh, yeah. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. I mean, Patrick's a great name to have swagger and have a chip on your shoulder, as probably everybody can tell that we definitely are the definitions of swagger. Uh, but let me go in. You, you talked about that chip on your shoulder, and I want to sort of get into some of the, uh, some of the other defensive backs. Uh, let's start off with Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson, a guy that really had a great beginning of the season last year. Uh, good hip movement, uh, you know, really, really soft hands, really good at tracking the ball down. Has a, well, Remember his career, the beginning of his career, he was like the next Dion. I well, mean, he, he right. came out and was getting interceptions. Right, yeah, and everybody was really high on him. 
last year sort of teeters off, especially around the Auburn game. Uh, you see, he tore still, the ACL too, if you'll remember. Yeah, he tore his ACL, but you see, still come in, sort of take his spot for a little bit in the Auburn game, and maybe a little bit a lack of confidence uh, per se. I, I, you know, I don't really know, but uh, Eddie Jackson, a guy now positioned at safety coming in i think he's gonna have a big season i really do i think that eddie jackson's gonna be one of those guys that you know has a pick has a really you know hard pass breakup uh gets a big sack at the end of a game or you know something happens where he gets in his head you know what i've got this i don't need this sort of uh you know lack of confidence in my head anymore i know what i'm doing i'm gonna go out and play ball the player in my head that's already got that and I'm excited about this. I'm, I'm really, really high on this guy, as you and I have discussed uh, many times throughout the summer. Uh, Cyrus Jones. Uh, Cyrus Jones. Uh, he's your boy. I, I like him a lot. I think he's a really, really uh, good guy. I, I think he's someone, uh, when you mentioned that swagger, you mentioned that chip on your shoulder. I think that's necessary for a defensive back, especially when you're Cyrus Jones' size. He's not a big guy. He's not going to overpower you. Uh, converted wide receiver. Converted wide receiver. Great hands. I'm really looking forward to see Cyrus Jones play. Uh, in an article the other day, uh, who is the author of that article? Uh, published in AL.com, um, Cyrus Jones felt like he was very like the Alabama defense. He said was disrespected. Uh, you know, and I'm excited to sort of see him get that frustration out uh, as the season goes along a little bit. Uh, I'm just I'm excited to see Cyrus Jones play. And another reason is the kicking game the special teams game he'll be returning kicks he's very comfortable with doing it he enjoys doing it he's very shifty very quick uh patrick who's the other guy that you've heard of that is going to be returning kicks for alabama this season matt zenitz on that article by the way the other guy returning kicks uh kickoffs is going to be listed on the depth chart for now is going to be Kenyon drake and what i love about that is i you know i feel like your punt returner which I love Cyrus in that role. Um, I think he's one of the top five most dangerous guys on the team with the ball in his hands, which a lot of people don't know, but he was a converted wide receiver and a very highly rated one out of high school at that. But Kenyon Drake, his frontline speed, you want a guy that is going to blow past you through a crease. And what Kenyon Drake excels at is splitting two guys at full speed. It is amazing when he does that, and we've seen it. And we've seen him take off and blow defensive backs, fastest guys on the other team, out of the water because of, ex- of his acceleration factor. So when you're going to give him a 20-yard head start before he gets to anybody else, I think yeah. you could see him bring back a couple. I'm super excited to see him back there. I'm so glad he's back to being healthy. And, and I, I think something that you know we've also got to get into is I think Kenyon Drake's a great blocking back. He's great on pass rushes and everything. I think that's a huge part of the kicking game You know that sort of goes under the radar a little bit. I'm, ex- I'm just excited to see this Alabama special teams. I'm more excited uh, this season than I have been since Javier Arenas left the great Alabama punt and kickoff returner uh, a little dangerous at times a little reckless but also had that chip on his shoulder that Cyrus Jones does uh, that can really just sort of turn it on uh, and leave everybody in the dust so I'm excited to see Cyrus Jones play I am too and so as we move on you know we've been talking about uh, some position battles Uh, I do want to touch on the safeties just a little bit again and what I feel about because we're talking about so much depth and, and forget don't forget we have Sheffield at corner we have other guys uh, uh Silv still at corner so we're talking about uh safeties as well and these two guys are both uh, Eddie Jackson and Cyrus Jones converted from um not Cyrus Jones I'm sorry uh and Geno Smith converted from corner those will be our two starting safeties so yep. they're pretty small 
Um, they're not physical. They're more pass-defending guys. But the guys you have waiting, waiting in the ring, wing with uh, Hootie Jones and Ronnie Harrison coming in, that's some depth too. I mean, those guys are young, and they're they're bigger. They're more physical. I think you'll see a lot of packages at safety, which is not something you see that much on defense. You can have you can play. We can play safety packages on defense this year. How awesome is that? Yeah, that's that's a that's a huge deal, you know. And it's something that if everybody, that's another thing where the inexperience comes in, though. Uh, if yes. everybody in the defensive backfield can understand those packages, it's great. If not, it leads to a lot of blown coverages and a lot of deep balls, which is what Alabama struggled with last year. Let's move into uh, just sort of a, a you know general rest of the team overview right now. Uh, you know, so offensive, de- defensive sides of the ball. Patrick, tell us what we've got on offense. To look I'll take offense. To I'll take offense here. So uh, you're returning a lot of guys, but you also lost a lot of guys. Everybody knows we lost Blake Sims, and of course, the biggest loss that everyone talks about is Amari Cooper. I mean, he's gone, he's moved on to the NFL, and he looks like he'll be wildly successful, and we wish him the best of luck for everything that he did the last uh, several seasons at Alabama. But don't forget about the guys that are coming in. We talked about the quarterbacks, but these wide receivers are no slouch either, and actually uh, the depth that we have at receiver might be greater than any other position on the field. I know we sound like Homer saying everything is so great. We'll get into uh, maybe some other things, but receiver, you're bringing in Ardarius Stewart, who a lot of people think is going to be the guy, and he gets a lot of reps, and uh, you know, number good old number 13, he's super fast, um, maybe up there with Kenyon Drake for the fastest on the team. I think he was uh, clocked at the fastest last year, but I don't have that fact with me right now. I just remember hearing that. And you got Robert Very Foster, quick. you got Calvin Ridley, you got all these guys uh, coming back with um, offensive line that is very experienced with a, with a couple guys in there that are, that might be sh- shuffling in. It's nowhere near as inexperienced as to what we're going to get into with Wisconsin. Obviously got Cam Robinson back, Ryan Kelly, who I think is uh, maybe the best one of the bunch along with these guys. I mean, Dominic Jackson uh, should be a very good uh, guy coming in playing right tackle if he ends up winning that. And then the guards I think are great too. Um, so the quarterback will be the big question mark that we've been talking about. And then how who can fill that playmaker role? Uh, Kirk right. Herbstreit said it today. Who's the playmaker? That should be something we're worrying about more than the yeah. quarterback. And that is what I'm worried about. I do want a guy to stand, step up. I think someone will, but until I see it, that will be one of my worries. Yeah. No, and I agree with that, and I understand that. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. You know, I think it's interesting that you didn't talk about the running backs that entire time. Because, I mean, and it's not – that's not a knock against you. It's just something that – I think as Alabama fans and, you know, analysts, uh, we're so used to having just this absolute stable at running back, um, you know, but it's just sort of, I don't know, it's it's a question mark for me this season, you know, is Kenyon Drake going to come back healthy? Is Derrick Henry going to be a little bit quicker than last season? It takes him a little while to get through the holes, we both know that. Once he gets a head full of steam, that's great. It's not a speed problem. Uh, it's not a speed problem at all. It's an acceleration problem. Uh, I think by game four, though, when Scarborough comes back, I think the depth will be fine. We do have Damian Harris, who was the number one rated running back coming in last year. And we've seen what our true freshmen can do when they get in the game. Absolutely. I mean, I think at some point all of them have come out and had their coming out party. And then Scarborough, who if if he had not hurt himself and is not suspended for the first four games of the season, he would be my most guy, the guy I'm most excited to see. But we'll have to wait and see how he comes back yeah. from that knee injury. Yeah. I've had one before. They're not easy to come back they're, from. They're not easy to come back from. Uh, also being suspended, uh, you know, for violation of team rules, that's something that everybody kind of needs to look out for, especially when you get in that Nick Saban doghouse. It's hard to come out of. It, it really is. Um, yes. 
We've seen it before with, with, with other players with the same amount of talent. Never never leave so that let's, doghouse. Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, obviously, Sean Robinson, a guy that we can talk about, uh, huge. Huge contributor. Uh, huge as a person. I mean, it's unbelievable to me that these people are younger than we are. Uh, six foot four, <laughs> 312 pounds. And honestly, looking at him... With the face of a 43-year-old yes, yes. man. <laughs> uh, he, he's huge. He's absolutely huge. Remember Greg Oden? Yeah. Greg, I'm sorry, I'm rambling here now. But remember when Greg Oden came uh, into college and looked like he was in his 60s? That's about what Ashawn yes, Robinson that's is. that's exactly what it looks like. Uh, full beard. I mean, just huge, huge player on defense. Uh, you know, everybody's been talking about him. Uh, I think Dylan Lee's a guy that's going to make a lot of noise. You know, uh, we're going to talk about Reuben Foster a little bit later in the show. But uh, Reuben Foster, Dylan Lee, two guys. And then we've already talked about the defensive backs. Uh, Reggie Ragland, another guy um, who I really think is going to be the leader of that defense this year, going to be another great Alabama linebacker that just has that grit and just that tenacity. But this front seven is a unit, though. That's that's what the, everyone's well, focusing and the front on. Seven that's is that's a unit. what stands out. So let me out. ask you this. Front seven is a unit better or worse than 2011? Oh, see that. Uh, I think our pass rushers are there. I think our because maybe maybe if you were asking me 2010 with Marcel Darius still there, but I think the pass rushing potential of this front seven is better. The linebackers have more to prove. I think the line, Reggie Ragland is close to being what Dante Hightower uh, could have been, you know, was and what C.J. Mosley ended up being. But I, I think he's still third on that list of middle linebackers in the Saban era. Absolutely. But as a, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna say worse for now because of that linebacker play when you had both C.J. Mosley and Dante Hightower on the same team with the Courtney Upshaw who if you listen to this podcast enough you will learn that he is my favorite player that has ever worn an Alabama uniform. What, the, yeah, I think yeah. the linebackers really stood out back then. Yeah. So I'm gonna go better in 2011, but with the potential of this one with the pass rushing will be much more disruptive. And I think that uh, that 2011 team, uh, you know monumental uh, arguably the best alabama's ever had giving up 8.8 points a game that's just unbelievable one of the best defenses has ever been numbers yeah. wise yeah so you know i i don't know i i think there's a lot of question marks like you said at the linebacker position i not taking anything away from them or saying that they're not talented at all but i think that those linebackers have a lot to prove in that regard uh, you know, so I'm very excited to see this defense. We've already gone over the defensive backs. Uh, Rashawn Evans is another story that I kind of wanted to get into. Um, Rashawn Evans, uh, there was a rumor going around last week that he was injured. He wasn't injured. I hate it. I, I'm not a huge fan of it either. Uh, a couple people took to Twitter saying that it's a rumor. He's okay. So we'll keep you posted. Uh, and you'll, you know, you'll know uh, as you're listening before we do before next week during our next show. Uh how Rashawn Evans is doing. We're going to hope that that's a rumor. Um, if not, you know, those linebackers are really going to have to step up and play some more minutes. Uh, so let's move on uh, and go into our next topic. Patrick, uh, as we go into next season, it's easy to talk about overrated players and overrated teams and all that. Let's go into the most underrated player on Alabama's roster, in your opinion. Who do you think it is? Yeah, let's be nice, boys. Let's not talk overrated. I hate that chant, by the way. Oh, we're going to go underrated. And when we're talking underrated on this team, I think we're going to uh, begin with, in my opinion, Reuben Foster. Reuben Foster is maybe the guy on defense that I'm most excited to see in his new role, who should be starting this year, will be getting a lot of minutes 
Um, he hasn't done much in his career yet, other than uh, and be an enforcer. And what I mean by that is he's not been thrown into starting yet. You know, we had Trey DePriest last year start over him, but I think the sky's the limit with Ruben Foster. We just mentioned Ragland. I think Foster's going to be better. I think Foster will be mentioned in the same breath by Alabama fans as Hightower, as Mosley, and some of these other guys that you've seen, uh, Rolando McLean, because the way he plays is the way Nick Saban coaches his linebackers to play, but he was doing that out of high school. He has a nose for the football. He goes for a nosedive. I mean, when he has made an impact, I can't state the impact he made last year in that LSU game. With that hit on special teams on Leonard Fournette, he hits like a missile, and I think putting him in a starting role the way he flies over the field, I can't wait to see him there. I think he's the... I don't think enough people are talking about Reuben Foster. And you mentioned that LSU game. I was there. I had the good fortune of being there, uh, just sort of right place, right time. Uh, you know, <laughs> let me say first off, uh, you know, obviously not huge LSU fans, but Death Valley is an experience. If you've not been to Death Valley and you get the opportunity to go, you've got to go. You've got to go. It's a great place to watch a game. Uh, it's not this dangerous, horrible place that everybody talks about it being. As long as you stay out of trouble, you're going to be fine. Uh, so that being said, let me sort of go into that game. You mentioned that hit on Fournette. Fournette, a great player. He's going to make a lot of big plays this year. Uh, but I hadn't heard all night Death Valley that silent. That abs- You could have heard a pen drop. I mean, even after the game, because they were booing as our players ran off the field, they were not that quiet the entire night uh and i think that's sort of the impact that reuben foster can have and he'll sort of just bring back that sort of tenacity that alabama linebackers are uh so infamous for i should say uh and i'm gonna go into my underrated player right now yeah let's do that uh my underrated player right now i'm, I'm gonna say cyrus jones uh i know that i've already talked about him a little bit uh he's got that swagger he's the guy with the chip on his shoulder uh, I really like his play so far. Uh, you know, I, I just think that he's really going to kind of be a leader for this defensive backfield that's sort of young and sort of inexperienced. I'll agree with you on this. I want to agree with you on this. Uh, I will think that a lot of the things that he said and uh, people that talking about his struggles are overstated because I do feel like maybe the unit that we had last year made him look worse than he really is. And if that unit is improved, we could see – and he, by all means, he's not a – He's not been a bad player, but a lot of no. the misconceptions people have had have maybe been because of that unit as a whole. Yeah. All right. Let's get into week one uh, going into uh, Wisconsin. Uh, what are your sort of predictions from the game? What do you see happening uh, throughout the game and uh, just sort of how that plays out for the rest of the season? Well, 2015 Wisconsin is, is a team in, in, in change. Uh, last year, You'll remember they ended. They won their division and they played Ohio State. They lost 59 to nothing. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people are going to remember that team for that loss because that loss is really what vaulted Ohio State into the playoff and, of, uh, of course, again into the national championship. Maybe without that loss and that uh, being so as lopsided as it was, we would have seen a completely different champion this year. Who knows what would have happened there? So and then they turn around. And they beat Auburn and that leads me into it. They've been uh, – you never know what you're going to get with them. And with a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, they're trying to keep that same mentality. And that mentality is we're Wisconsin. They're going to punch you in the mouth and run it down your throat. They don't recruit the athletes from Texas, Florida, Alabama, the south that, that, that we get, that Alabama gets, that Florida gets, that Florida State gets. They don't get that 
um, five-star athlete talent. They they gotta they make the best with what they can get up there in Wisconsin, and they do great at it. Uh, they lost Melvin Gordon, obviously, uh, Heisman candidate, ran for 2,000 more yard or more yards last year, and they're gonna put in Clement, and I think Clement's gonna take over. They show time and time again that they always just reload at running back. So, I think this is gonna be right. a low-scoring affair. I think something we need to mention too is the fact that Wisconsin's offensive line is something that's been rotating all offseason i mean all yes. offseason long they have rotated well, they're, they're, they're the they're same five guys bringing in three new guys same time. yeah i mean it's just it's something that i think deserves to sort of be looked at a little bit more than it is especially with like you said wisconsin running the ball so much and just sort of being that grinded out team especially the fact that that plays into alabama's favor uh i just i think there needs to be a little bit more consistency in the offseason as far as that is concerned. Uh, so I will say, with the, with the way the game goes, I'm going to say the quarterbacks and that matchup there, uh, Alabama's defense and their running style, is going to be really the main difference. I think the quarterbacks are a wash. I think both teams are going to start out. There's going to be a couple fighters feeling themselves out. Um, and I think I the quarterbacks agree. are a wash. Now, that front seven of Alabama that has been talked about is the best in the nation, maybe the best that Nick Saban has coached versus that new offensive line that is starting three new guys and can't really find the three guys they want to put in there. I think that's going to be the difference. I think that's why Alabama is going to win by multiple scores. Uh, and my final score prediction, I'm going to go Alabama 21. I'm going to give Wisconsin. I'm going to give them 13. I, I, I'm going to go a little bit uh, more than you on that. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 31, 14 Alabama. Um, I think that, uh, Kiffin's had all offseason to prepare. Uh, I think that they're really interested to see how these quarterbacks can play, and therefore they're going to be putting the ball in the air uh, quite a bit. I hope there's a little bit more running uh, this season than last season, but I think that when you put the ball in the air that much uh, and you've got a good mixture in there, you're going to score a lot of points. Now, let me ask you, do you think this game looks anything like the 2012 uh, season opener against Michigan? No, I do not. I uh, because because that that Alabama team was fresh off of a national championship, and uh, they were ready to just unleash. I don't think this team is ready to unleash. I think it'll look a little bit closer to last year. We'll come out of the game uh, with w- the West Virginia game. Sorry, Chick Fil A kickoff. Um, where we're gonna win uh, pretty convincingly, pretty handily, but we're gonna have some questions. We're still going to be going into that Ole Miss game with a lot of you know a lot of question marks, and right, that right. when we played. They, I mean, they just ran into a juggernaut, that Michigan team. They couldn't match up. I think the Wisconsin of this year and Alabama this year are, are a lot closer and have a lot of the same questions. I don't think we're ready to unleash yet. I think that'll happen as the season progresses. I agree, and I think, you know, in my opinion, I think that the game's going to come down to who can answer those questions uh, not only quickest but best, um, you know, and do what's best for the team. And I think Alabama's a little bit more prepared to do that overall. So let's move on. Uh, let's go into uh, a little game that you and I really like to play. Bold predictions for the season. You got to say something bold uh, that really might, uh, you know, not sit well with a lot of people. But this is Pat's interference. Uh, so go ahead, give me your bold prediction for the season regarding Alabama football. All right, my bold prediction. I think this will sit just fine with some Alabama fans out there. If I were to say so myself, I think Mr. Auburn Tattoo, who we talked about a little bit today, Ruben Foster is going to win all SEC. I think he's going to be first team all SEC. 
He's going to probably, in my mind, surpass Reggie Ragland as the best linebacker on the team and create some buzz for himself. Yeah, I think he's going to create some buzz um, as far as the draft is concerned, first, second round. And, you know, going into the offseason, I think he's going to be sitting pretty. Uh, looking. I think he'll be mentioned, like I said earlier, in the same breath with uh, Hightower and Mosley and, and, and Rolando McLean. I think he's that good. I think he's that talented. And I think this is the season where he puts it all together and really shows us what that guy can do. I can't wait to see him on the field. I'm telling you, he's my favorite player on this defense going into the year. He's a good he's a good player. Uh, the only thing that concerns me with Ruben Foster is uh, the way he tackles. Uh, obviously, I mean, you know, you you see that hit on Leonard Fournette. We've been we've talked about it. Uh, it was it it was sort of I, I don't want to say it's an illegal hit because I believe that the referees would have called it an illegal hit if they would have seen it that way. It was a dangerous tackle, uh, and, and that's I not just, the first time he's done that. It's all. not the first time he's done that, and it wasn't the last. He did it in the Ohio State game too. So I'm worried that he is going to injure himself. Uh, but from what I've heard out of practice, and I think you've heard this too, he sort of fixed that problem, and coaches are working with him on that problem, uh, and that's that's something that's you know. That's a concern of mine, is whether or not he can pick that head up uh, and really make a good, clean hit and take care of his body. Um, I hear you there. I hear you there. Now, I know you have a uh, prediction that people outside of the state are maybe not going to love, but <laughs> I love it. Let's hear it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, and without sounding like too much of a homer, you know, we're going to try and be as unbiased as possible with being, you know, a year removed from uh, the university, but... Uh, I, I think Alabama makes it to the college football playoff. Now, where it goes from there, I don't know. Because if you would have asked me last year before the Ohio State game, we would have won the national championship. Alabama comes out on top. So I'm going to say we make it to the college football playoff. I'm not going to have a prediction outside of that. But the only reason that I say that that's bold is because everyone else, I mean, right now, there's analysts, I've heard analysts pick Texas A&M, Alabama, Auburn, and LSU all to win the SEC West. Uh Texas A&M and LSU, I, I kind of have a harder time believing. Uh, a lot of people are really, really high on Auburn this season. Um, you know, and I am too. I think they're going to have a great team. I can't wait for the Iron Bowl this year. Uh, I think it's going to be another colossal matchup. Um, and I think those two teams are really starting to kind of pull away from the rest of the pack, uh, per se. Not saying that, you know, any of those teams, I mean, any four of these teams can win the SEC West this year. I see it. Uh, Texas A&M a little bit less than everybody else. But LSU, Alabama, and Auburn, I really see going forward playing very, very well, especially in SEC play. But my bold prediction this season is Alabama makes it to the college football playoff, winning the SEC West, becoming the first team to win back-to-back -back SEC titles since... Well, let me ask you this. Do you know this? This is a good little trivia question. Do you know who the last team to win back-to-back -back SEC championships? You want me to not get this right, but wasn't that Tennessee? It was Tennessee, 97-98, University of Tennessee winning back-to-back -back SEC championships. You know, that, that Florida team was great. Uh, they had it broken up. Uh, you know, they won one, lost one, or sorry, excuse me, uh, won one, and then, you know, uh, won LSU one. LSU won the next one. Yeah, the next one was won by LSU and won the next one after that. Uh, you know, so I think Alabama does win the SEC West this year. I think it's a hard-fought battle, and I think Alabama makes it to the college football playoff. Patrick, is there anything else you want to mention before we sign off? Yeah, we got a couple minutes left here. So one thing I want to ask is one th it's the discussion that everybody has by the water cooler, and I think it's worth having. And we've talked about it a little bit, and you never agree with me here. Who's your Heisman? Oh, 
Oh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna kind of uh, go with what everybody else is saying. Uh, I I really think that Boykin out of TCU is a great player. He's a dual threat quarterback. Uh, a lot of guys are high on him already. He's got a lot of the hype, you know, going into the season. I think he falls sort of into that Mariota category where everybody said he was going to do it preseason, and as long as he doesn't didn't make any colossal mistakes and his team's kind of in the playoff run throughout the season, I think he wins the Heisman Trophy. Uh, he's definitely in the spotlight. A, I, I, can, a, I can agree with you there. He's a very talented quarterback. Who, who is yours? All right, so you never agree with me here, uh, but I think that this is going to be kind of a guy that plays in a weaker competition that I think could have a great season. He's a Clemson quarterback, and I'm going to I'm gonna go with Deshaun Watson. I think he's got that, uh, that, that sensation around him that will make him a fan favorite, kind of like uh, – Jameis, remember before all the scandal, Jameis Winston, he was a fan favorite. He came in, everyone loved him. If yeah. you go back and watch some of the segments made about him, especially around the time that he played Clemson, everyone loved him. I think he's got that quality about him, and he's very talented, and he's playing in the ACC, where I think Clemson can win a lot of games this year because I think the top dog will come out. Maybe even if they can get past Florida State, I think they can go undefeated with that schedule. Wow. So with that with that record, if they can if they can run the table and maybe only escape with one loss, no more than one, I think he's out. But if he can do that, he's a dual threat guy like Boykin, but he's a guy that is going to rise as the season goes, who the voters like to pay attention to. I think he could be the guy that walks away with the hardware. I love the way he plays. There you go, Patrick Brickman, giving you his Heisman prediction for this year. We talked a lot today. Talked a lot about position battles how the wisconsin game is going to go patrick give me your score prediction for that game one more time what well, i said 21 13 i'm going to go 21 13 i think it's going to be an eight point win but it's going to look more convincing from alabama's side you're going 21 13 i am going to go 31 uh i'm going to say 31 17 uh, and next week when we come back we're going to discuss who came closer and why and go from there uh, but for right now, that'll do it for this episode of Pat's Interference. Thank you so much for listening in. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We cannot do this without the people listening in. We are so excited about bringing you uh, this podcast. It's something we've talked about for a long, long time. Uh, and tell us and how we did. Tell us how we did. Finally be doing it. Yeah, tell us how we did. Leave us a comment, uh, even if we were horrible. That's okay. We have thick skin. You can tell us. Tell us what you think about the season, any topics you want to mention or bring up that we can talk about next week. Go ahead. Go for it. We're flexible. We can do it. Uh, but that's it for episode one of Pat's Interference. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter at PI underscore podcast. And you can also tweet at us using the hashtag Pat's Interference. Thank you so much again for listening. And we will talk to you next week.